0: Hey there, this is Meg, I'm your host, and you are listening to Mental Status, a podcast about burnout for people in the mental health profession. Quick disclaimer, because you know that stuff is important these days, Uh, Mental Status is a podcast about burnout in the mental health field. It's for entertainment and educational purposes only. This is not therapy, and this is not clinical supervision. There are no CEUs associated with this podcast. Enjoy it and share it as you will. And if you're in a space where you're needing deeper support, please seek out therapy or supervision for yourself from somebody who is qualified to provide the services for you. Just a quick note, there is a content warning on this episode. There is some discussion around suicidal ideation. So please listen at your own discretion. Thanks. I know. And I've already had a therapy session. Like I I had a session with a client this morning already. So I'm kind of hopped up on caffeine, but we're all good. Okay. Nice. All right. Uh, Here we go okay welcome to mental status my name is meg i am your host this is a podcast about burnout for mental health professionals and i am especially excited for today's show because i have not one but two very special guests um, and i'd like to allow them to introduce themselves so special guests who are you where are you and how are you doing today
1: uh, I am one of the special guests. My name is Joanna Duenelles. Um, How am I? I'm okay today, like a, like a positive okay. And uh, I am in Philadelphia, uh, sitting next to special guest number two.
2: <laughs> and that is me, Sarah Brisky-Hamrick, one part of Therapist Next Door oh, yeah, with Joanna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well today. I'm recovering from some issues with sleep so i'm feeling
0: very nice today and i'm sitting in joanna's office in philly nice yeah yeah for for listeners who obviously can't see it, like there's one person on one side of the string, <laughs> screen and one's on the other side it's kind of fun actually
1: there's okay. lots of chords in between us too <laughs> it's, it looks very technical
0: it's very official we're we're doing the yeah. podcast thing um. Yeah. So I am excited to have both of these folks on today. Um, I was on the Therapist Next Door podcast a while ago, and in talking with them, um, I just kind of, I really wanted to have them on on my show to talk about burnout because that's something that we got into. So I'm excited to have both of them here, um, to talk about this topic. Yeah. So we're gonna get started. We're gonna we're gonna dive right in. Just get straight into it. Um, tell me what is your burnout story? Where have you been with burnout? <laughs> Neither one of you.
1: <laughs> All right. So I'll go first. Uh, my burnout story is pretty intense. Um, I, uh, I think probably November, 2019 was when I first realized I was very burnout. I have, um, I have an anxiety disorder and, uh, it was getting much worse to the point where I was like, I need to see a psychiatrist. Luckily I did. And he was like, you should quit your job. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. <laughs> Cause I was like, what? You're crazy. I don't need to quit my job. Um, he's like, if it's so stressful, why are you still doing it? I was like, well, I don't know. Um, and then that was November, 2019. And we all know what happened soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got COVID from work. Uh, mm-hmm. I worked at a, an outpatient facility, working with older adults and then with teenagers and then with adults in a DBT program. So that was a lot of um, borderline personality disorder and then a lot of um, behavioral disorders for the children that I hadn't really ever worked with before. So it was Mm -hmm. a lot of new things. And then the newest thing was, you know, COVID. Yeah. So I was furloughed for a while and uh, went back to work, thought it would be great. You know, I was like, I had all this time off. No. So I only lasted maybe four months until I quit there because my burnout was extremely bad to the mm-hmm. point where it was like really negatively affecting my mental health. Um, I had suicidal ideation. I was like crying at work all the time and I just couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I quit that job, took a couple months off and then started a private practice. And here I am now.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: (laughs) That was a lot.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it is a lot. And I, um, it sounds like there was a lot of, um, realization for you in those, I think you said four months, um, really intense realization. So yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Sarah, how about for you?
2: Yeah. I, I want to first say like I, during all of that time, I was obviously very much in close contact with Joanna and she was always Mm -hmm. very candid about what was going on with her. And, you know, she was just, it was very, I mean, I don't ever want to say that somebody struggling in silence is impressive because that's highly problematic, but Mm -hmm. I think that's also something that we internalize as therapists Mm -hmm. and did not aid either of us in that time, because she certainly was, she was, again, she was, open about it but she she was hiding it as well as she could and you I don't know I don't I'm not sure what point exactly I'm trying to make it's just that it's so hard it's so hard to really understand exactly what it is because we are taught to not be honest about how we feel yeah um
1: and there was like a lot of shame involved with how I was feeling too um Mm -hmm you know, and that was part of what contributed to the burnout so badly was because I was having these thoughts that I wasn't supposed to have. Right. Um, and like, I couldn't tell anybody because then like, (laughs) then I would then be hospitalized. you know, like I was, I had the same fears as clients. Like if I tell somebody, then they're going to hospitalize me and that's not what I want. Yeah. Um, so I did had to, you know, I had to keep it on the down low, or I felt like I had to keep it on the down low. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm just starting to feel more confident talking about it now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something, um, you know, I've talked with folks on here a lot about is burnout in general, but also these, you know, quote unquote, deeper, darker feelings. Um, it can be incredibly scary and frustrating to experience them and feel like you can't talk about it. And I mean, I've even heard folks say like, I don't even feel like I can tell my own therapist about it as a therapist because then they're gonna question my clinical judgment and my ability to do my work. And it's just, it's so laden with um, unhealthy expectations and unhealthy um, ways of being within this line of work that it's ultimately really damaging.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely felt that way and it wasn't until recently, like maybe last week, that I was able to tell a therapist about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, which is great. Find a therapist you're comfortable with. So, <laughs> please. Yes, please do. Please do. Yeah, that's
2: that's part of my story as well is that I just had I mean, just a big part of the kind of shame I had and just the kind of internalization that I had was my therapist. I didn't want to share things with her because I didn't want to feel judged by her. And also she was, she was a much higher socioeconomic status than I was. So her saying to me, don't work as much was not an option at the time. So that felt, so I was in a private group practice from end of 2018 until um, April of this year of 2021. And the culture there was very much we are going to fill up your schedule every single hour that you have available. You know, schedule yourself lunch, which was surprising that that was actually encouraged. But oh, yeah, how nice! You know, we them. will <laughs> so nice of them, but we will give you, we'll give you up to, we'll give you ten people a day. If you want to see eleven oh. people a day, we'll do it. Oh my gosh! So I was doing that regularly, probably three days a week. I was seeing ten people. And were I was 60 minute sessions. They were 60 minute sessions. So I was, I was, I was pulling the 53 pretty hard for the 908 mm-hmm. <laughs> 37 <laughs> oh for therapists out there. It was it was abominable. I was not throughout that time, I was not always giving the best therapy because I was exhausted. I was hungry. I was thinking about how I had to drive home and then yeah,
1: you had an insane and, uh, and then
2: find not find parking in Fairmount in yeah. Philly. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then just come home and just be miserable. But I was making money that I had never made before. I was making money that my parents hadn't made before. And mm-hmm. I felt like that was the right thing to do. That speaks a lot to my niche now. I'm very much anti-hustle culture. I'm very much anti the, I mean, I could really get into like the, like anti-capitalism feelings, but just very much anti bringing in as much as you can until you're not a person anymore. Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: I told my supervisor at the beginning of the year that I was done and that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be fulfilling my contract and he didn't take it well at first. And he said, is there anything we could have done? And I said, I told you repeatedly (laughs) that I was working too much. And you said, you know, you said it was okay because I was making a lot of money and he just kind of diverted the conversation. And that wasn't I needed more than that. I needed much more than that. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely uh, not a traditional burnout story, but at the same time, very traditional. Absolutely. <laughs> because yes, okay. I, like, I was able to come back from it though, so I hadn't gotten to the point of you know no return. But there were so many people along the way that professionally could have stepped in and said, "You don't need to
0: do this," and they didn't, and that really, you know, that really put me in a bad spot. Yeah, and I have to ask, was this after obtaining your independent license, or was this prior to that?
2: Oh, it was before. Yeah, the whole time I've worked in private practice, I've had my LPC in Pennsylvania—that's licensed professional counselor. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, as soon as I got that, I thought to myself, "Oh, I can, you know, make money and feel more independent now, and just yeah. live the kind of life I want to live." And then. And then it's the same thing. It's the same thing as the jobs you get right out of grad school. People are just right. kind of oh. taking advantage of you until you learn how to say no and say no without guilt or
0: without yeah. enough guilt. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean that, that story, like, even though it's your own unique story of the way that it played out for you, like you said, not non-traditional, but I feel like a lot of what I've heard is like, that's exactly, mm-hmm. that is exactly what happens. Um, whether you're at, a community mental health center or um a group practice or a nonprofit or a government agency like there are of course great organizations out there that that do care for their workers um and there are a lot that um I don't know I I <laughs> the the nice thing about not having any like particular sponsors for the show is that we can say whatever we want. So fuck <laughs> capitalism. Like I'm i yeah, all about no, it, right? To so, like, so the ends of the earth. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like the way for both of your stories, the way that um, you felt the need to kind of either push yourself to the edge, the very edge of being exhausted of like feeling like I literally cannot do this anymore. To to the point of like I may lose my life literally over this if I do not take action and, and stop what I'm doing like that is so antithetical to me to what this work could <laughs> yeah. and should be mm-hmm. um, and again it's one of those things that like we don't talk about we're, we're like we're very um, afraid to talk about mm-hmm. how how exploitative the work can really be.
2: Yeah, I, I think something we were both dealing with too is that we both had supervisors that would shame people that left before us, mm-hmm. and we knew that that wasn't our narrative to be somebody mm-hmm. that was, you know, framed as not working hard enough or not being strong enough. But then, but then you have to also remember what people's definitions of strength and, you know, resiliency are. Mm-hmm. And I think both of us can now look back on that and just think that it's just nonsense. But you're being essentially gaslit into oh, yeah. something so that someone else can make money or someone else can be, can feel okay with, you know, the higher ups and not get in trouble. And like, how much is that worth sacrificing people,
0: any kind of person? But I think that also speaks to um, a lot of the culture that is developed and has developed over time in, um, in a lot of ways in the system where there is a lot of pressure applied and then shame added to that. If if you're not cut out for it, or if you leave early, you're not made for the work. It's too much. You need help. You need to take a break. Like there, I found there's like this expectation for mental health professionals to be superhuman and we're not.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I was, I was trying to take care at least in the last like four months that I was working was trying to take care of my I think it was five months but I was trying to take care of myself as much as possible like I was leaving work as early as I could like I would just leave because like Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it anymore and I I mean that's what I said to my supervisor when I gave my notice I was like I just can't do it anymore I can't yeah um and I kind of framed it as like, oh, well, I want to start building my family. But it was also like, I'm afraid of what will happen to me if I still stay, if I stay here. Um, and it was just, you know, like, I don't even think my workload was as tough as it was when I came back during the pandemic. But it was just like the added stress of being in a pandemic, not feeling safe, not feeling like our facility was being safe, and then having, you know, vicarious trauma on top of that. Um, was and like having nobody there because there was like no one there you know right. it was you were kind of alone um it was just too much
0: yeah yeah so there's that sense of like being isolated within already very difficult work um which is is one of those big things that you know I've identified for myself and other folks that I've talked to is like feeling isolated makes it 10 times worse when you're yeah. going through that kind of stuff. So when when both of you decided to leave, I mean, how, how did you work through that sense of guilt and shame that came associated with leaving a contract? Or, I mean, I say this kind of for my own benefit too, because like, (laughs) there's this sense of guilt for a lot of us around leaving the clients that we're working with who like, we really care about them. So how did you deal with that?
1: I think I had a lot of, so I worked, it was hard because I had already kind of left the older adults I was working with because they our program stopped when the pandemic happened because mm-hmm. they were, you know, an at-risk group and like, yeah. we don't want to come. We're not going to congregate. Um, so I just had a couple, um, who I was, you know, giving therapy to over the phone. And there were a couple that I called and they were mostly very supportive. They were like, yeah, we know like, like you got to do your own thing. Um, which is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I felt the most guilt about leaving coworkers. Really. Yeah, just knowing how tough it was and that me leaving wasn't going to make it any better. Um so I felt the most guilt about leaving my coworkers.
2: Yeah, for me I I I was having some my husband had told me throughout this entire time I worked at this place that they take too much of your money. So there were, it was not a new narrative. You know, I was finally like, oh, "Okay. okay. Like I, <laughs> I understand. And I actually had a, I actually had a small business lawyer look over the contract for me. And she said, none of this protects you. It only protects them. They cannot enforce any of this. It only, it's only meant to make you feel like you need to. And at that point, my guilt was kind of replaced with rage. And yes. <laughs> it really, it really helped me not feel that way anymore because the I mean, the vernacular that was used there was very much meant to curate this kind of dependence upon them. And I do not appreciate that from anybody, no. <laughs> obvious, obviously, no. and you would not, well, you would not think to expect it from, like you said, Megan, from a field like this, mm-hmm. especially when there's such a high value placed upon our lives like what the language is being used is that you know we care about you we want you to do best we want you to make money but then that's that's not what the case was so I had you know I had I had given them a final chance of like you know I want I want a w2 I want to be able to have equity in this I want to have these options and they said no so I said Hmm. okay I have to go yeah I'm leaving yeah a couple months later once I was ready to go
0: (laughs) yeah and I mean I think that speaks to like the process that a lot of folks can go through, um, turning from that guilt, that guilty feeling that we carry around with us for, you know, whatever reason we're we're giving up, we're leaving coworkers X, Y, and Z, and having that turn into, um, as you said, rage, like (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, I, I can identify with that feeling, um, the rage at, at feeling like I have been, Maybe taken advantage of, or like you said, an employer has created a situation where there's a dependency, which, like being therapists, one of the main things we talk about is like, we don't want clients to be dependent on us. We want them to be um, efficient and able to do things on their own and have an internal locus of control. And if you're getting in the way of that, that's really not um, beneficial to their well being. Same applies here like, to create employees who are dependent upon you. (laughs) <laughs> I don't like it.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's not great. I, I, it's, it's great that Joanne and I were also experiencing it kind of in tandem. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, So we were always checking in with each other. And I'd say to her, like your situation is, you know, wild, you need to get out of there. And she'd say, okay, but y- you know, yours is too, not like a like <laughs> yeah. competition, but we were both, we both had this like blinders on to what we were dealing with. But I think that's like a something that therapists struggle with already is we do find it very easy and comfortable to let other people know that they don't need to be dealing with things, but then yeah. we just yeah. continue to take on. I'll do it. Yeah. It's fine, yeah. Fine. I got it. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's part of, it's part of a culture that we're trying to breed out is that we are supposed to be taking on more mm-hmm. or we're told that we're not, but we are not given any skills on how to on how to actually do it i'm i'm thinking back to the podcast that we did together megan and you had talked about how supervisors would just say well practice self-care and that is not well thank you <laughs> sure okay great <laughs> yes that fixed everything it's like telling oh, me to calm down know. when i'm having a panic attack but yeah. <laughs> set us up set us up for skills so we then in, if we're not set up with skills we then internalize this idea that we are just supposed to suffer that's yeah Nonsense. And
1: I think it's hard when like you notice that like your supervisor is burnout like everyone else is burnout so like you're trying to I remember using all my skills I spent like a whole day using all my dbt skills using dear man to like talk <laughs> to talk to my supervisor about this and just met with like anger and mm. like frustration. And is like, no, <laughs> I was trying to be as effective because I knew <laughs> that I was like compromised and I knew I was tired. And like, I knew that I was emotional about all this. So I was like, I'm going to use my skills. I'm going to use my skills. And then just like not met with any skills back of like, no, you're wrong. Stop talking. Like, oh, oh my, my
0: gosh. God. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine how uncomfortable more than uncomfortable that would be, like you're you're reaching out for support from, from the um, the person who was put in place to be that support and met with resistance and anger. Like that, yeah, I can see how that would even accelerate those feelings of just like, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? Like, this is not yeah. tenable for me.
1: And mm-hmm. I will say that that supervisor did apologize, but um, it was like, it's already done, man. You're mm-hmm. already... You already mm-hmm. said it, mm-hmm. and like I experienced it, and there's no coming back. And you know, just like not having supervisors be available, or they're always changing their plans, or like, and it, uh, I understand people are busy, but after a while, it just makes you feel like crap because you're like, I guess I don't matter anymore. And mm-hmm. like, if I'm if I don't matter, then why am I doing all of this stuff? Right. You know, I'm like busting my butt all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a, um, such a sticky place to get into when you start feeling like you don't matter, especially as the person who's dispensing to clients that they do matter. <laughs> yeah. It can feel really like a huge cognitive dissonance to be involved in, <laughs> um, systems like that, where you don't feel like you matter and to try to promote the opposite to people that you're working with. It's really incongruent
2: yeah, and it happens with every group of people that you idealize and then devalue. Right? I and it's and it's not it's <laughs> not a coincidence that we are both a field filled with women and rapidly filling more and more with women of color. It's this 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 holding us up on a pedestal that we are the saviors, but then just punishment and shame if we are not showing up to even seventy five percent every day mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah, and to kind of go back to um, You know what, you're talking about being met by a supervisor with anger. Um, So, I can't say that I had that experience exactly, but I did have more experiences where I would come frazzled and exasperated to supervisors and doing the best that I could to not seem ungrateful for the grand opportunity of being employed by (laughs) wherever (laughs) I was. Like, hey, though, actually, um, this is hard. And to be met, sometimes with support often more with what are you doing to take care of yourself? And also, um, at least the perception that the, that the supervisor themselves was not burned out. And that was even more of a a disconnect for me Is like, I am struggling so hard. And this person is telling me just to take care of myself. And they, they just kind of like, let it be what it is. And they don't, they don't seem to be on this level. Um, I think for me, that was a really hard thing to see. Like, I'm struggling and I'm in this position where I'm providing services, and this person who is in a position of power above me is just like, well, okay, then. (laughs) At least that's how it felt at the time when I was burnt out. I'm sure that's not exactly what they were trying to convey, but
1: um. I had a similar experience. I went to a supervisor, this is all the same supervisor. which who I also love, like, I just think we were just in a system of being burnout. Yeah. And um, I went to the supervisor. This was before I had reached out for help the first time, like to a psychiatrist. And I said to her, cause my Wednesdays, I think I had four groups and individuals and then all the notes from that. And I was like, I just can't, I can't do it tomorrow. Like I know how much I have to do tomorrow. And like, I just, it's like, causing me to panic. Like I was crying Mm -hmm. and um, she was like, well, what, what can you do to come in tomorrow? Um, Which was like, oh, okay. All right. Mm -hmm. And I did (laughs) go in, I went in, Uh, you know, Um, but it's just like that, you know, and I worked for a for-profit hospital. So like, I was just kind of caught up in the like, okay, but like, how many productivity hours can you do? And you know, we were supposed to do five a day, and if that day I had four groups, I would have been doing six because groups were one and a half, right? Is that how that went? Yes. It was Sunday morning. I can't do math. <laughs> it was more than. I'm five. just like getting
2: annoyed with that. that
1: <laughs> and like how Disgusting. much we had to fight for not having six. Like, it's it's just, and I I never really felt the pressure of productivity hours, but just knowing that it was there and it was something that could be used against me was like tough, you know, I was Mm -hmm. like, whatever, I don't, I mean, I'm going to do the job that they tell me to do.
2: No, it's, it's a huge theme that is in for-profit hospitals. That's, that's what I I worked into, you know, since we've graduated in 2015 and (laughs) the kind of like unethical and amoral behavior and conversations and lines of thinking like the language of like return on investment and paired with the, just the vilification of patients who, you know, maybe have to come in a couple times a year or have to, right. Yeah. Or they have to, I'm or starting they starting to
1: simmer about what I'm going to say.
2: Or they have very human moments on the unit. It's, it's yeah. all, it's like from top to tail, it's just encouraging this us versus them anti-patient culture and therapists are often caught in the middle and kind of urge to think that way
1: mm-hmm. and then if we
2: do we go down a rotten path and then if we don't we are you know essentially excommunicated from the treatment team mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm going off but
1: <laughs> no, I, I mean like I we had moved into a new building I don't want to disparage the place I worked at too much but we were uh we had moved into a new building
2: well let me stop you they already did okay.
1: that oh, so, okay um <laughs> that uh you know I think we were on a floor that we weren't supposed to originally be on, so when they had built the building, the first floor had automatic bathroom door openers and the floor that we were on did not. So working with like an entirely, uh, you know, with an older adult population who use walkers, who use wheelchairs and cannot open these heavy doors. Like we we were like, can we get something for the doors? And those are apparently very expensive, but I was like, but that doesn't doesn't matter like they can't open we then we're spending our productivity time holding open doors Mm -hmm. uh, and then was told to smile at the end of that meeting um (laughs) so
0: I hate that so much (laughs) uh,
1: and I'm a usually generally smiley person so it it felt really I was like what I mean this is a very serious like there someone could get hurt these doors I mean it feels weird to be like the doors but like the doors were heavy they were to the bathroom and like And talk about like creating shame for our patient. Like they don't want to have to ask me to hold the door open for them. They want to be able to press the button and go in like it's supposed to be or not take the elevator down the first floor, come back up. Like, It's basic accessibility
0: for the people uh, that you're caring for.
1: (laughs) And to also build a new building that didn't have any gender neutral bathrooms. I'm sorry. What? (laughs) What?
0: It's ridiculous. (laughs) What? Uh, And so- i I think i think i heard this right (laughs) i think i heard that they that they told you to smile
1: oh yes Mm -hmm.
0: the audience can't see my face but i'm like not cool with that
1: (laughs) yeah i'm not cool with it either uh
0: there's so much layered into that like the sexist aspect the like just put on a happy face and everything is okay aspect like And also the the working class always has to appear happy to be working
1: (laughs) like listen I'm trying really hard to be happy every day like you can Mm -hmm. ask anyone else like this is a very serious thing and the person that told me smile was also a female so it was (laughs) really really tough to like yeah Yeah. and I I I just you know and then there's the shame of like okay well I put up with it for that long and it's, you know, there's just, I I feel like there's maybe this, this kind of like, okay, well, we have to experience this toughness in order to become a better clinician or in order to understand things. and That is not true. You can be a good clinician and not, and not have extreme burnout. Like you. Yeah you don't, it's not like a badge of honor, which I feel like, oh, well, we all are. Okay. That's bad then. Right. We shouldn't all be, right. we shouldn't all
0: be like dragging ourselves through the mud and surviving the work day just to say that mm-hmm. we did it. And then we're therefore better at what we do. Like, <laughs> does that make sense?
1: <laughs> like I I'm appreciative of the experience that I had because it, it did help me become a better clinician, but I didn't need that to become a better clinician. I was already a pretty good clinician before then. It just helped inform my niche now. And I'm sure my niche would have been something totally different had I not, you know, gone into, had I not had this extreme burnout, but Mm -hmm. like, it's not something we have to go through. It's not like, it's not a journey that we have to undertake. It's like the places we work for should take care of us. And that's why I work for myself now, because I know how to take care of myself the best. (laughs) And like, I tried, I tried being like, Hey, this isn't cool. Hey, this isn't cool. Oh, okay. I guess. Yeah. I feel like we could
2: write a book on like the mantras of capitalism too. Like, Oh,
1: <laughs> hustle, hustle hard, work hard, play
2: hard. Um, if mm-hmm. you're not exhausted by the end of the day, have you done enough? And
0: in fact, know, yes, I have <laughs> your you're be-
2: you're best when you're exhausted, like all, all these nonsensical things that we've all internalized when in reality, we aren't, we're just part of a greater system that is That is further oppressing both us and literally everybody involved, except a few people at top, top, and the person who had said that to Joanna was elevated. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to say yeah, Yeah. very elevated Elevated in the system. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
1: and yeah, just it, and it. At the end of the day, the reason I had to stop working was because I wasn't going to give the people I was working with the best of my ability I mean that was like my cutoff point was like hey you know what I'm not going to be able to effectively serve the people that I want to work with and that's why I stopped I mean I should have stopped when it was hurting me but I was like okay now this is actually impacting my ability to work so Mm -hmm. to like be be being effective clinician so I need to stop
0: yeah I mean that's the message that we're mostly given um for probably for liability reasons, honestly, Um, but, you know, going through grad school and getting supervision, there's a very, very heavy focus on, you gotta, you gotta take care of yourself and not be burnt out because we don't want you harming the patients, which is absolutely true, right? Like we we don't want to create that type of environment. It's not fair to them. We want to be able to prevent ourselves from getting to that point. But if, if that is where we place the highest value, rather than just like we're also humans who probably deserve to be taken care of and not burnt out, even if we are in the therapist role. Like that just, Sarah, I don't know if this goes with your like hustle culture stuff, but it's like, we can take care of ourselves for reasons other than to just be more productive. Like, and I'm. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's
2: like, as you're saying that Megan, that's like the, she's somebody's mom or she's somebody's sister. Like, no, she's a, she's a person, person. but like that, all of that takes away from us and our humanity. Like you need to do all this so that you can do this. So you can keep doing this. No, I need to do all this because you know, I have a life that I want to live a life that I've been working very hard to be able to live independently and just enjoy myself. That's why I work. I don't work because I want to be a therapist. I work because I enjoy helping people. And it makes me have a life that I want, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. It does. You know, we, I don't know. World would the world would be wonderful if we didn't have to work. <laughs> a lot of a lot of jobs wouldn't need to exist if we were in a different if we had a different system, but unfortunately it does and we do. Mm-hmm. So we choose to do what we do so we can then just have the best life we can, but when we
0: do what we do interrupts what we want, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, especially when we're told that that is the ideal way of being is to have what we do interrupt all other facets of life. Like that is somehow ideal.
1: And going through grad school, I mean, like I worked during grad school, so I was busy every single day of the week. I didn't have a time off because I was Mm -hmm. like, I got, I mean, like I have to like pay for myself to live. Mm -hmm. It's like, I need this job. And then I have Mm -hmm. a clinical job that's three days a week. And then I have classes that are two days a week. So like, you know, it just starting from, I, I had like, culture shock when I came out of grad school. Cause I was like, can I, I can just sit here.
0: Yes. Yep.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Yep. This 10 minutes. Isn't the most precious 10 minutes of my life. Yep. What?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of culture shock too, like there was no time to do anything, but then I mean, I got the first job I had out of grad school was just a nightmare. I got hired. <laughs> I got hired under the pretense of working with adults. And I ended up working with kids inpatient oh. and it was Exact inpatient? opposite of inpatient. So I was, I was, I was binge drinking pretty heavily during that time. And I like looking back on it now, and it was only a year, I was like, man, I was normalizing a whole hell of a lot of issues. Yeah. And it was it got me through it, but it would yeah. not have gotten me through it for much longer. And honestly, I don't know how well it got me through it. I just know it did because I'm alive. But, <laughs> but you're here but I certainly I certainly know that it could have gotten much, much worse.
0: Yeah. Oh my God.
1: Yeah, I don't know how we, I mean, it's just so strange we have because I, my first job out of grad school was terrible. Mm-hmm. I was crying and cl- like I was finding closets to hide and yep. cry in. And like I knew the best ones, like I knew the bathrooms where no one would disturb you. <laughs> oh my, yeah,
2: same. And I'd, I'd cry oh. to the supervisor and she'd say, okay, let me come and observe you so we can see how to help. And I was like, I don't want to work. <laughs> in
0: this job (laughs) that's literally not the problem is
2: yeah (laughs) i know but what we mentioned earlier i know like joanna said it's she was also a part of this system that she could not get out of and she Mm. heard my like literal cries for help and she met it with all she could meet it with really was okay how can we make it a little better and that was another one of (laughs) At one point in our supervision, I was sitting with my arms crossed, and she said, "Don't be uncomfortable with me. Uncross your arms." And I was just like, "I fucking am done with this. I can't deal with this. Like, I have no choices or autonomy in this job. Let me sit the way I want to sit."
0: Yes, just give me this one thing, please. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: And I, I mean, for folks listening, I mean, that kind of may not sound like a big deal, but we in the therapy world, we get challenged with that kind of like misinterpretation of nonverbal communication oh and body language gosh. all the time. And it is so, it's so
0: unkind. So yeah. that's
2: uh, yeah. one of my, <laughs> I forgot about that
1: actually. <laughs> yes.
0: There's obviously a lot, a lot of different strings tied into the way that we construct our ideas about who we are as workers and what our, I guess our obligations are to the work and like what people expect of us and then when you start to like unravel that and be like uh no mm-hmm. <laughs> I will cross my arms and I'm gonna be uncomfortable because I don't want to fucking work here yeah um <laughs> yeah that that could be a, a little jarring for some folks to take even ourselves <laughs> absolutely yeah.
1: yeah and it's I mean just like I was holding on to so many little things in my last job like Jeans day, like thank gosh that didn't get. I I recently heard it's being taken away, and oh like goodness. I would have lost my. I was would have been like, all right, then I'm done, yeah. Because like that wearing jeans on Friday was like thank goodness. Mm-hmm. You know we used to get like lunches on Wednesdays, like that was my that was like what got me through the week, was this okay. free lunch.
0: and like throwing a <laughs> bone to the staff, <laughs> like here you Seriously. go.
1: Seriously. Yeah. I now do my own. I do take out lunch on Wednesdays. <laughs> I, I know I was like, oh, it was really nice. So I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to treat myself one day exactly. a week.
0: To order else. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, take what works. And if you now want to wear jeans every single day, you could do that. Like Where's
1: sweatpants. <laughs> sweatpants.
0: <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. I'm recording this episode in what is technically something that I sleep in pretty often. I'm like, you know what? Comfort overall. I'm, I'm sitting here at home. I'm not going to put on regular clothes. Like, what is this? <laughs>
2: yeah. 100%. Yeah. I have, I have a nice like sweat pant, blazer combo with some lipstick. I, the chair I use in my office at home has a little heating pad on it. I have Ooh. like, I have this beautiful setup so I can just be as comfortable as possible because I am done with feeling like I need to be uncomfortable to be good at what I'm doing or yeah. that it's necessary or that I need to make a sacrifice when I don't need to. Yeah, yeah. no more. And you know what? I'm the best therapist I've ever been now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was just thinking about this last night as I was going on a walk, um, this idea of having, um, what's that therapist word? Congruence, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> between who I feel I am in my life and who I am when I'm working with clients, and like in in places where I have felt like I had to be <clears throat> something other than who I was, or dress in a way that is not congruent with who I think I am, or present in a certain way, like those have been some of the most painful jobs. Because like as you're talking about with crossing your arms or not, like it's a, it's a bit of that autonomy in the way that you show up in your work. And if you don't have that, like what do you have as a therapist? I mean, I'm, there's debate around the blank slate therapist versus being your full self and, you know, to each their own with that. But for myself personally, I like, as I'm working towards opening my own private practice, I was talking with my fiance last night. I was like, I look forward to the day where I can wear this sweatshirt with a cartoon caricature thing of a ramen noodle bowl on it and have my clients be like, cool. What's up? Like, let's go. (laughs) Just like being able to show up as who you are and feel good about that seems so important, at least for me in the work that I've done.
1: Yeah, I recently was like working on my copy for, you know, like a therapist website. And uh, I, I first said my therapy approach was easygoing, but then I changed it to cozy. And that just felt like the oh. most like real I've ever felt writing copy. I was like, I do have a cozy approach to therapy. Yeah. Because uh, I'm a cozy person.
0: Hmm. And, and that's what people like, that's what clients seek out is somebody who can embody the thing that they're looking for. So if somebody really needs easy going, like they're going to connect with somebody who, who aligns with that. You're going to find clients who are like, I want to be cozy. Let's just be cozy and do therapy. <laughs> that sounds yeah. so nice.
1: Let's build mm-hmm. rapport talk about restaurants. Like, come on. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh so with both of you, cause you're, you're both in private practice now, is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is probably, we could spend a lot of time on this, but what has changed for you since you've gone into private practice?
1: So much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like being able to craft my own schedule and I mean it's been I have felt the guilt of like what you're not working 40 hours a week then like you must not be worthwhile so I've had to really cope with that and be like no I can make as much as I was making and work only this amount a week and also I don't have to make as much as I was making I can just make whatever we need to survive and like that's Mm -hmm. okay too Mm um but yeah, I mean, I think just being able to be as present as possible has been amazing. And to just kind of take away the layers of like, you're in my office, I'm dressed nice. Like there was a person at the front desk to just be like, hey, you're now like, you can see me, I'm in my home, yeah. Um, has been like a big, a, a really cool change.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I like saying no a lot now, or no, that's not an option. (laughs) Let's think of another option. You know, I, I like that my caseload is full at 15. Like I just got full. I know it's so exciting. It just happened last week. I'm full now. And I'm, you know, I'm feeling like a little bit of stress, but it's good stress. I'm feeling that's like, I feel like as long as I keep my schedule balanced, I just I'm on top of it. And I'm not taking on folks that I'm not going to help and also wouldn't make me feel good about taking them on. I wouldn't be comfortable with. I feel okay saying yes to things, even if it's a little risky. I can trust my gut a little more. It's amazing. And I'm and I'm not, I mean, this is just like my own preference too. I'm not working through insurance. Yeah. So I'm yeah. taking folks that can pay the full rate and giving sliding scale to some people that, that aren't able to at this point in their life. And it feels wonderful. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful to offer that option to people that need it. Um, I I like it a lot. I like the support I have now much better. I feel like I'm generally more happy. I mean, obviously on a macro level, the world is not great. So that there is a pretty big source of unhappiness, you know, similar to joy. And I do have an anxiety disorder and I struggle with insomnia. Um, So usually when things with the world get a little worse for where I, I have like a, couple weeks of just bad or no sleep. I've been dealing with that my whole life. So I know how to manage it now. And I feel every time it comes, I'm like, you know what, this will be over soon. Whereas Mm -hmm. before when I was working three, 10 hour days in a row, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to, I do not know if I'll get through this. I don't know if I'm going to fall asleep in my car on the way home. I don't know if I'm going to say the final thing to my You know, partner of almost ten years to make him finally go away. (laughs) Oh my gosh! (laughs) Which would never happen, totally. But you know, when you're feeling that bad, that's Uh, yeah. You always feel that those things are right around the corner. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, so just generally more in control, but also very aware of how how things can get if I don't pay attention to that and if I don't let myself say no.
0: Cool. There's a train in the background.
1: (laughs) Nice. Hi, train
0: hi train how's it going it gets really loud we're like two blocks from the train track wow
1: yeah I I also wanted to I sorry starting over I I think a really important thing too when you're going into private practice is to make a schedule for yourself because that like default of like I could do whatever you want I'll like not sleep and have a session at 3 a.m um that's really easy to do. So I'm like, Nope, these are my hours. Do you have any openings later today? Like, am I free? Yes. Do I have any openings? No. no. <laughs> I mean, I don't say that to clients, right. but like, you know, to just be like, no, these are my business hours. Yeah. And Like I have, you know, you know, I've, i work, I'm trying to work like four days a week. Um, and like, I, you know, nope, sorry. I don't yeah. have anything after, which is like a normal thing to do, right. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's
2: apologetic in your answer. It's yeah.
0: Like, yeah. Cause that's for every other healthcare provider. That's incredibly normal. Like, no, the office <laughs> like the doctor,
1: if you miss your, yeah. doctor appointment, you're not like, Hey, can we do like now?
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way. I'm going to be 45 minutes late. Can you still fit in the full set? Like, sorry. <laughs> oh. And I'm no, we're not open at eight o'clock tonight. So let's reschedule you. Um, Makes perfect sense. And and I think the fact that this is even a topic of conversation among the three of us who can agree very like wholeheartedly that that is a nice and sort of self-protective way to do business. There's still that like pressure to be like, but if you have free time, but if you can, but yeah. you can flex here, but they need, it's like, hmm,
1: if, if it was stretching. somebody in a crisis, well, yeah. yes, of Absolutely. course. Mm-hmm. But if if it was just like, "Hey, I overslept. Like, sorry, I don't. You know, I don't have anything later." Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I had another thought, and it totally escaped me.
2: Oh, good. that's another part of private practice now is that I feel much more comfortable charging for no call, no shows as well. The full yeah, I gotta, fee.
1: Gotta start doing that. It's.
2: I mean, it, there's still weirdness that happens, obviously, but yeah, previously. If people had canceled or had to do whatever, I would say like, okay, um, just reminder there's a fee, and if they were to ask, I'd be like, okay, well, maybe it'll, I'll just charge you like half this one time. I just say, oh, here's the full rate, and it's oh, it's taken a while to get there.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not there yet. I am jealous of your being there. <laughs> no, it, it's taken it's taken three years to get there. It's yeah. it's, been, um, it's been a ride. Yeah, I mean, what comes
0: up for you when? Or what has come up for you when thinking about just charging uh, a late cancellation or no show fee?
2: Yeah. I mean, I've had people respond negatively in the past to it and in like inappropriately negatively, like some one time somebody called me unethical. Um, I had to really like temper myself because I having somebody call me unethical for following something in our ethics. Uh, in our ethics was um, really, really got me. So mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, what comes up for me is also, yeah. The actual answer to the question is (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning how to value my time.
0: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the same thing. It's like, who am I, you know, like I had, you know, people who are in like highly professional jobs reach out to me and I was like, oh, they must need like, oh, they want therapy from me. (laughs) They saw all what I said and they (laughs) want, they picked me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that kind of feeling that I'm like, I don't want to, you know, like make anyone angry, but it's like, no, I need to also be, you know, I need to be respectful to myself yeah, and yeah. respectful of my time that like, I got ready. I woke up and I'm here, you know, <laughs> ready
0: yeah. to do the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to burnout in private practice um is there anything that you've noticed that has either helped prevent that or if you have experienced any form of it like what has it looked like for for you two now that you're in private practice
1: i think i'm still in the honeymoon phase where everything <laughs> okay. is Brand and i hope that stays. i mean i think when we're talking about the schedule that's the biggest thing is yeah. to keep a regular schedule to not unless it's like a you know a crisis circumstance schedule outside of that schedule to kind of especially working from home to keep that work life balance you know just like no these are the times that i'm open like i'm around but like i'm not you know to kind of like make that distinction of like, okay, I'm working now. Mm -hmm. You know, I have like, I close the door, I turn on the noise machine, like, okay, I'm working now.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I, this
2: being your own boss thing, I had no idea that it was what was oh, what I was always meant to do. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had a problem with authority, but I also realize now that I just had the problem with authority that just demanded respect without giving me any type of mm. humanity. And mm-hmm. I don't think that makes me wrong. Um, so if you are to go into private practice for, for anybody that's listening and Megan for yourself, just have people that are doing it either at the same time or people that have already gone through it and just talk to them. It can be incredibly yes. isolating. So just, even if you're just socializing with friends, just keep yourself talking to other people that are not just your clients. Mm-hmm. Cause that does not count. No, <laughs> it definitely doesn't. And it's like, we, we laugh, but that we can get lulled into that very, yeah, <laughs> very yeah, easily yeah. thinking that that's like, no, I was talking to somebody today. <laughs> no, you weren't. <Yeah>. No, <laughs> no, you weren't. You were at work. You were. <laughs> You were getting paid to listen and to use all the skills that you've paid a lot of money to gain um, and spend a lot of time to gain. So just socialize and give yourself the opportunity to not be the, the calming person in your friend group, you know, let yourself, let yourself be out of pocket every now and then you do not have to be the therapist in every setting you go to for the love love of God, just be a
0: person. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's unique at all, especially to folks who are going through grad school, but like even those early, early years in your career to feel like now I am the therapist and I am embodying this in everything that I do. And I am the calming mm-hmm. friend and the friend who listens and the friend who gives advice and the partner who is, no, like <laughs> I've Ooh. gone through that and I'm like, you know what? If I want to sit on my couch in stained sweatpants and watch um, trash TV and like swear like a sailor, it's great. I'm going to do it. It feels better. <laughs> yeah. 100%.
1: Yeah. I, I think like that's our whole podcast yeah. too, or Therapist Next Door is that like therapists aren't, you know, your friend therapist you know like we're not all the same and like we can have anxiety disorders and I think like part of that view of therapists is what created like a lot of the embarrassment and shame for me because like I'm supposed to have everything together because I'm you know this sage sitting here (laughs) this like 28 year nine year old sage you know which I'm not and I don't think I'll ever be but like how can I not have it together if this is my job and it's like I'm separate from my job my personality is separate the things that happen in my life are separate mm-hmm. um they inform mm-hmm. my job and again like it's that whole like we don't have to go through shit to be a therapist like you can be a good therapist and not have like shit happen yeah. which would be great I mean I would love to not have anything bad happen. sorry if I'm not supposed to swear I just <laughs> swear to a <God>. lot <laughs>
0: I mean, you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. No, I'm and like I also have. I don't know that I. I've, I've never even asked any of my own therapists what they diagnosed me with, and maybe they didn't because I was always private pay. Um, but I'm pretty sure that I have an anxiety disorder. I was prescribed Prozac by my doctor. He was like, "Here, take this. Like, that's okay, cool." Um, and I just remember it like the, the day that that happened, I went home and talked with my fiance, Nate, about it. And he's like, you know, I think I'm finally ready to admit that I am struggling and that I probably have, I probably, I probably have anxiety, you know, maybe. And he's like, yes. <laughs> and I'm very glad that you're finally taking steps to take care of yourself with this because oh, it's, yeah. it's a little she was like, I can feel it. I want to be here for you, but I can feel your anxiety, like shooting out of your body at times. And it's really uncomfortable. (laughs) I was like, Oh, oops. Okay. Well, I guess I'll I'll take these meds. We'll see what happens.
1: I mean, yeah, I had shame about using medication when it was first prescribed to me just because I, and like, it felt so weird because I was like, take medication. Like your doctor prescribes it. Like, it's great. It's fine. And then when it came to me, I was like, "Uh Oh, I shouldn't have to do this. Um, and so I had a lot of shame, but it, it actually, again, like brought me close. Like I, I'm able to be like, yeah, no, that's it's a normal one to take. That's what I take, you know. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just to be kind of open about, like, hey, yeah, we nobody has it together, um, and that's why you you don't go to a therapist because they have it together. They just have the skills to teach you, and they have their treatment. Like, it's not because they're sages. I mean, there's right. there are therapists who are sages, but um, <laughs> I, I bet even
0: those people struggle sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah, because we oh, all okay. struggle. Yeah, Pick yeah.
0: Hmm. yeah that's um i I hope that for anybody who is listening especially well not even especially just everybody um if you are in a place where like you have this sense that you shouldn't be struggling because of your job especially in the mental health field like we're we're exposed on the daily to very anxiety producing content um and content that can you know, exacerbate depression or, or other things that are going on in our lives. And to deny that is, I don't know. I I see how easy it is to deny that those things could impact you. Um, And they probably still do. So it's, it's, I mean, it's okay. (laughs) It's really okay to get help for yourself. Um, Especially, especially if you're burnt out, but just in general, like you deserve to be taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I agree. Same. We were both I mean, here like nodding our heads. We're yeah. all on that. Yeah. We're all on yeah. that page. Yeah. And it's I say that knowing that like it's easy to say those things to other people. And like you see that kind of stuff on social media all the time. Like it's okay to say no and it's okay to take care of yourself. Um, but really like it's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So I think we are, yeah a little bit close here to the end of our time. So, um, what I usually like to do at the end of these interviews is just ask the guests and now the guests, um, if you were to leave the audience with just something to think about or something to chew on, um, in terms of burnout or work-life balance, anything like that, um, what would you want them to know?
1: i I I already i already prepared this yeah all right (laughs) nice i mean i think the biggest thing i want people to be taken away with is that having a mental health crisis um, or needing mental health treatment doesn't make you a better or worse therapist it just makes you a human being
2: yeah i urge everyone to take a look at your beliefs and your values and try to suss out which ones are there because of internalized capitalism. Um, because fuck it, because because there are likely a lot of issues that you're dealing with right now that are a result of, of our culture that does us no favors, uh, putting those thoughts and feelings on you. Mm -hmm. So just read an article, read a book and just really think about what, what you hold sacred that might be there meant to oppress you.
0: I like it. Thank you. I'll have to think about those things too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you so much to both of you for joining today. Yeah. Um, Thank you for having us. I really enjoyed our conversation, so I appreciate it. Um, And yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll stay in touch. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And I hope that whoever or wherever you are, you can start having more conversations in your circles of support about better ways to support ourselves and to support each other through burnout. If you like today's show, please make sure to head over to wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, I would love it if you left a rating and a review on there to help get the word out. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, I would absolutely love to have you join the Mental Status Patreon community, which is now officially open. When you join Patreon, you'll get access to a supportive community of like-minded mental health professionals, where I will be offering a ton of high quality, deeper dive content related to burnout, with everything from patron-exclusive podcast episodes and monthly webinars, to access to the Mental Status Facebook community, Q&A sessions, and more. To join the Patreon community, head on over to patreon.com mentalstatuspod and pick the level of support that fits best for you. Again, that is patreon.com mentalstatuspod. Thanks so much, y'all. Until next time, take care of yourselves, and I will see you again soon.